What planet does eggnog come from? Why was mommy kissing Santa Claus? All of these questions you can find the answer to on this Paranormal Live! Ho, ho, ho! Welcome everyone to the This Paranormal Life Christmas Special! This is our Christmas special. This is our last podcast of the year. And this is Rory and Kit coming at you hungover as hell. (laughs) What's more festive than that? We are recovering because last night we had the This Paranormal Life Christmas party. Things got out of hand. The night escalated to the point where in one moment it was just a picture of me on a monitor and everyone was circling around it chanting, kill him, kill him. After enough old-fashioned cocktails, true colors start coming out <laughs> uh, in all in all their forms, and everyone turned on Rory pretty quickly. Real quick, a little too quick. <laughs> and I don't know if I was even leading the charge on that, which is what you might be assuming. I think it kind of bubbled up, actually, from the others. But that's not going to deter us from what our goal is today, Kit. We are here today to, to celebrate, to talk about Christmas, the season, and the history behind it. This is a time of the year where all of the other podcasts in the world are relaxing with their families, taking a week or two off, enjoying the festivities, but not this paranormal life. We know that Christmas is a time for paranormal investigators to be vigilant. So yeah, yeah, while everyone else is sound asleep in their bed with the the little plate with the mince pie on the mantelpiece, we're sat in a (laughs) rocking chair with a loaded shotgun just waiting for that son of a bitch to come down the chimney. Yeah. If you're telling me that one night a year, some fat dude's going to break into my house and leave suspicious packages, I'm not leaving him milk and cookies. <laughs> I'm leaving him a goddamn double barrel surprise as soon as he I'm comes down the size chimney. nine up his ass. That's what he's getting. <laughs> I, I never really looked at it that way, but it is true in a post 9-11 world, you, you can't just be leaving suspicious packages in people's homes. You can't! I don't care if it's shaped like a bike, yeah. if it's, if it's, I don't care if it's barking and wagging its tail, it's suspicious. <laughs> it has to be detonated <laughs> unless someone claims that package. Uh, I mean, we also grew up in Northern Ireland, which has a complicated history of suspicious packages. <laughs> so, Who doesn't have a, <laughs> I don't know if there's any nation on earth that just warmly <laughs> embraces suspicious packages. <laughs> well, Kit, one of the reasons that I guess we don't celebrate Christmas as much as these other podcasts is because unlike all those other suckers out there, we know that the true story of the season is born out of darkness, evil, and possibly the paranormal. Hopefully the paranormal, if we're going to get a double yes today. So sure, yeah. I hope you guys are listening at home, drinking your eggnog, wrapping presents by a warm, cozy fire, seeing your loved ones. Yeah, nice for some. Hugging and kissing your loved ones. But also, honestly, I hope you're looking forward to having your day ruined. (laughs) Oh, well, come on now. Let's not be Grinches about the whole thing. Because on this week's episode, we are diving into the dark... History of Christmas! Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Ooh, so this is maybe the kind of knowledge that our listeners could be, they could be hearing on Christmas Eve or even Christmas Day, and they can kind of sit around the dinner table later that day and ruin their family's Christmas by telling the rest of their family about all the dark stuff. They can, yes! Don't I don't know to. how to turn off the vocal effect! <laughs> just, just calm down. I think the Christmas is getting to you. <laughs> 
Without further ado, let's dive into today's episodes. But first, a few words from our sponsors. Now, we've talked a little bit about the history of Christmas before on this podcast, but how about a little reminder for those listening for the first time? It may come as no surprise that Christmas wasn't always gumdrops and sugar canes. In fact, it's the final product in a battle between pagan festivals, Norse mythology, and Christian conquests. Elements from all of those early celebrations were mashed together, tweaked over time, and left us with the shiny Christmas we have today. Okay, hold, all right, you're dropping a lot of bombshells here because you kind of teed that up as if we're all supposed to know that. I just need to get things back to basics for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Christmas is Jesus's birthday. Uh, so no. I believe that's actually how it started was. <laughs> it's actually a pretty cool story. There was like these three kings. It's a long kings, one though, isn't it? Right. These three kings. It's a long one though for this podcast. Were they kings or were they shepherds? I don't really remember. There were shepherds and kings. I shouldn't be the one telling you this. And uh, There was a planet or something. What yeah, was it? A fucking star? Yada, yada, yada. Three it, wise donkeys though, for sure. The king was right? born in surprisingly humble circumstances, I will say, on account of there being no room at the inn. And Are you bitter about that? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, customer service was bad. Customer service was bad. Um, I don't know. Maybe make room for the king of men. I'm getting off track, but the whole point is the king was born on that day in Bethlehem, and we just celebrate it to this day. I think it's as simple as that, truly. Well, we'll uh, you know we can go into the the details of kind of that part mm, of I the think, Christmas tradition and how it kind of incorporated itself into the season a little oh, later right. on. Like let's say the thing, the the gifts that he got, for example. No, again, that's more the it's more that's more there details like about just the actual gold. Think. Yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. Do you know the others? Frankincense and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh was given uh, to him by the three kings, the three wise men who followed. Wait, hold I'm on a sure. minute. How many goddamn people were there here? Three kings, three wise men, three shepherds? Is that right? Nine of them? Plus Mary, it's a party. Wait, hold on. And then there was animals too, right? Donkeys and shit. The inn was closed. I don't know how many ways to tell you. There was nowhere to go. Everyone was in this goddamn barn. The inn was full. That's. I don't think that's why they all gathered in the barn. I don't think it's because none of them could get a room. I think it was the birth of our Lord and Savior. Twelve people. Oh my God. I think. Who was present? There's f***ing angels getting involved? I Do angels count as, as people? Yeah, well, they're, they're not men, I don't think. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's still up for debate how many people were there. But uh, it was a it was a big party, and yes, some people, uh, Christians specifically, to this day, use Christmas to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But the real history of it, Kit, is a lot darker than that. Hmm. So let's talk about that history. During the midwinter holiday in Germany, people would honor the pagan god Odin, who some people believe was actually the first Santa Claus. Much like Santa. They believed that Odin would fly through the sky at night. However, instead of having a list of who was naughty and who was nice, Odin would decide who would prosper or perish. <laughs> oh my lord. So you're saying this was the original Christmas gift? <laughs> your life. Getting away with your life intact. <laughs> uh, Here's a little Christmas gift for you. Your kneecaps. <laughs> I didn't bash them in with a two by four. Odin really said, this morning, you opened the two greatest gifts of all, your eyes. <laughs> Not you, Terry. You've been a little piece of shit this year. I'm going to need your eyes. <laughs> and we know that in the modern tradition of Christmas, you know, sometimes it's said that if you are naughty, that you will be given coal. Mm -hmm. You're saying that 
back in the day, you would actually, in fact, perish. That, you was, would that perish. was what would happen if you were naughty. Also, I'm not sure this was limited exclusively to children like Santa Claus. So this is a list that includes both men, women, children, everyone. Oh, my God. Uh, so you always have to be on your best behavior, lest Odin appear around Christmas and drag you possibly to hell. Can we get a quick refresher on who Odin is? Odin is the god of gods. He <sighs> is one of the most powerful Norse gods. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. He, wasn't he the dad of a couple of them? I can't be the only one who mentally rolls Odin in with Zeus and Thor. Odin is a type of nabemono, Japanese pot dish containing of several <laughs> boiled eggs. That can't be the right. Wikipedia I think entry. I've got it wrong. Odin. Odin? There he is. He is a Norse god. I don't know, man. There's a lot of shit here. He's one of the big ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's so unhelpful. We've talked about it before, but in Rome, where the winters are a lot milder than up north, people celebrated Saturnalia, a holiday in honor of Saturn, the god of agriculture. If you want to talk about the dirty side of Christmas, this is where it's at, brother. Now, I'm not a historian, obviously, so some of the language I use to describe this festive season may be inaccurate, but Saturnalia was basically a jumbo f fest. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Again, I'm not a historian. I don't know if that accurately describes the festivities, but honestly, jumbo f fest. If I had to pick some words, that's what it would be. I was hoping that this episode was going to be a family-friendly affair, uh, something that all the family could listen to, perhaps even on Christmas Day. Grandmother, grandfather. It is by definition the opposite of that. It is the dark side of Christmas, the dirty side of Christmas. Well, I, Saturnalia is as dirty as it gets, too. <laughs> I was also hoping that the dark side of Christmas would be sure, uh, maybe some kind of little demon roams around on Christmas Day and steals your socks or something. Not, <laughs> not quote-unquote a jumbo f fest. Santa has a gun. It's not <laughs> talked about much in the rhymes, but he has one. <laughs> you should know. <laughs> you don't think that if he's circling the globe nine times in a night that someone's not going to try and jump him? He's gonna, he needs protection. He, we know from the stories he has bags of toys, an infinite bag of toys. That will be the heist of a lifetime. Look, you'll understand why I describe it in this way, because during Saturnalia, slaves were freed, people gorged on wine and food, gambling was legalized, although apparently you were only supposed to gamble nuts, not coins. <laughs> that seems like a loophole law for sure. But this was essentially a week-long party that people had around the Christmas season where society in itself just turned upside down. It was basically purge night. Yeah, but I think a little less violent. There was still uh, a sense of uh, goodwill and friendship and sharing, um, even among slaves and masters. I'm definitely done with uh, freeing slaves. That's always a good thing for society to do. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's room for this in uh, today's society. Uh, I don't know if we have a modern equivalent to this. I think for rich white people, this is Burning Man. Yeah. Uh, that is our Coachella. Saturnalia. <laughs> Coachella. <laughs> Coachella. Uh, bit weird to have an event where you free the slaves for seven days. And yeah. then the slaves are going back to the f***ing cages. Because I don't know how free that ever made them. I don't know <laughs> if they were truly free. <laughs> right, yeah. Is that freedom or is that being given some time, <laughs> some free time? But I guess maybe their situation was dire enough that we're like, honestly, we'll just take the seven days. 
We'll take the seven days. I think I have heard of this before. Now that you're jogging my memory, like I thought I had heard of this like ancient Roman like upside down day where, you know, the masters cook for their servants and things like that. Like I think they did have some kind of built-in weird holidays like this. Yeah, which again, as I said, I think was was done in a very fun and joyous way. Right. I don't think the slaves were necessarily like, we're the masters now. <laughs> Start just whipping <laughs> their owners. Because in six days and <laughs> 23 hours, uh, the tables are going to be turned again and the, the masters do not forget. Sure. Hey, I will say, I'm all for Santa and elves and the traditional Christmas, but honestly... A week-long jumbo fest? <laughs> I, I'm up for it. Is it, and I, I don't want to keep using the words fest, but you're making me. Is it even one? I thought you just said that they just, like, let people roam free or something. Uh, brother, they gorge on wine and food. The slaves are freed. You know people were getting down. But it feels like you're embellishing that bit. It feels like you're you're reading between the lines in, in and just projecting what you want to happen. I'm not a historian, so I don't know exactly what happened. But I think you and I can read between the lines, if you catch me. You're just a really horny historian. <laughs> you're like, and 2,000 years ago... Uh, there was no room at the inn. I can imagine what was going on inside the inn, though, between, <laughs> between you and me. No, no. That's enough. No one said that. You're just making that up. You don't know that. <laughs> between you and me, I'm sure there was a lot going on in the old, in the old inn. <laughs> Crazy to think a million years ago when that asteroid hit the Earth and all those dinosaurs were, were wiped out. They must have been shagging their brains out watching that thing come down. <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> They weren't. They didn't. They were just eating food and each this other. This is you at a paleontology conference. <laughs> All these dinosaur experts, like, shut up, shut <laughs> up. They weren't. The season eventually shifted into what we know as Christmas, when Christianity became more of the dominant religion. Pope Julius chose to celebrate the birth of Jesus on December 25th, conveniently timed to overshadow the celebrations of Yule and Saturnalia. Classic Christianity. Which, I mean, th this is just this is the this is the history of Christianity and lots of religions. To be fair, yeah, it's the uh, one of the earliest versions of the concept of throwing your own bigger and better party uh, so that all of your friends come to your house and don't go to the house of your rival. Yes, uh, basically said, hey, I know you guys do like a winter thing. We, we actually do a winter thing now. And it's the birth of the, the Lord who died for your sins. So I don't know. Maybe you want to respect him and actually come to Christmas. So as we said, Pope Julius chose to celebrate the birth of Jesus on December 25th. And even though a lot of people began to adopt Christmas and Christianity, even then things weren't peachy perfect. In the 19th century, everyone still had a very complicated relationship with the holiday. Writer and historian Thomas Christensen claimed that 17th century carolers would show up unannounced at homes and demand the finest food and drink, threatening violence if they didn't get it. Oh my god, that is the dark side of Christmas. Lyrics to their songs included, We've come here to claim our right. And if you don't open up your door, we'll lay it flat upon the floor. Oh my god. I, I didn't know where that rhyme scheme was going. I thought yeah. right and maybe fight was coming. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It was, there was a little fun twist at the end. They almost didn't rhyme. They almost didn't <laughs> even try and make it a song. They were just like, give us your shit. Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that this is, you know, stories from the earliest form of Christmas carol singers. 
you know, something that now has become quite a joyous thing, going house to house, singing for people. Crazy to think that it could have had a, a, a bit of a darker origin story. Because this is the thing about Christmas is, you know, one of the main messages is, is you know, all man being equaled, the rich giving to the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the rich don't give to the poor, the poor take it. <laughs> the poor take it by force. And they'll sing you a little song, sure, to make you feel better about the whole thing. But uh, the poor are coming for you. If Scrooge hadn't been visited by three ghosts, I think Christmas Day, it would have stormed his house like the beast in <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> just ripped him to pieces. That young lad that Scrooge at the end of the movie is like, hey, you there, boy, what day is it? That boy had a Molotov cocktail in, in his back pocket. <laughs> he was about to burn Scrooge's house down with him in it. <laughs> Can you imagine the first ghost showed up and uh, Scrooge is like, uh, are you here to show me the Christmases of long, long ago? And the ghost is like, they're going to fucking kill you out there. I can hear I'm through the walls. I'm just your heads up. <laughs> I'm the ghost of your doorman. They're in the hallway. I'm not the ghost of Christmas. It's me, Eric. They're coming, sir. They do not like you, Scrooge. This is fascinating, though. This is exactly what we're talking about. Something as seemingly pure and innocent as carolers singing on Christmas Day door to door. You're saying these were ancient... Thieves and bandits roaming the streets, assaulting people. And carolers aren't the only part of traditional Christmas that have weird histories. In fact, the Nutcracker Ballet is actually based on a story where a seven-year-old girl is kidnapped by toy soldiers and taken to a doll kingdom where she's married to a nutcracker at age eight. (laughs) She is a child bride to a toy. Imagine (laughs) f***ing Woody from Toy Story having a shotgun wedding to a child. That's what we're talking about. I mean, I do agree that in retrospect, the themes of that tale are perhaps darker than taken at face value. Yeah. But I do feel like you could do this with kind of any story. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No, it's this one particular. (laughs) Like Rory watches Mickey Mouse and he's like, it's some kind of genetically mutated rat that has learned to talk and he has a vicious rivalry with a dog sure maybe the tone in which i describe the narrative of this was a little bit loaded but a eight-year-old girl marrying a toy that doesn't sit right with me (laughs) i don't know about you brother that doesn't fly in my saturnalia Also, the popular Christmas carol about Good King Wenceslas, which you think is about a kind man helping a woman in a snowstorm. (laughs) He's a toy. He's (laughs) he's trying to bring her back to his toy kingdom. He was married to a 12-year-old. It was really dark. What the carol doesn't tell you is that King Wenceslas was murdered by his brother, stabbed multiple times, and then dismembered. Holy shit. They left that out of the carol. But isn't this just all tale? Like, is there a single tale that is older than the year 1900, which isn't about someone getting torn limb from limb? I mean, even the fairy tales of uh, Brothers Grimm and, and so on, you know, all of those, Hansel and Gretel, are you kidding me? Two little fat German children get 
murdered by a witch or something. Like all yeah. tales were just grim. I don't they, think they got point? murdered. I think they were rescued. I don't think she ate the kids. <laughs> uh, do you want me to check? I guess. Because that I, can't be the end of the story. She just eats the f***ing kids. <laughs> what did I learn from that? Okay, you are right. The children do survive. I knew it. <laughs> but not until the witch has fattened them up and tried to cook them. And then at the last possible second, Gretel puts the witch in her own oven and locks the door and they run away. Yeah, so they actually end up cooking her. <laughs> Point being, it's a disturbing and god-awful tale. Right, so you're saying a lot of these old-timey legends and folklore stories have pretty dark themes behind them. I'm saying all children's stories are based on shit like that. This is where we actually read the story of uh, Jesus' birth, and it's like, yeah, it turned out 30 minutes later, they all ate the donkey. <laughs> they dismembered the donkey and ate him. <laughs> but of course, it's not just the history of the season that's creepy. It's also the creatures. Now, we've obviously covered a few Christmas cryptids in past episodes. We've even tackled the big questions like, is Santa Claus actually a goblin? But there are so many paranormal Christmas monsters, I thought it was about time that we go through the full list to warn our listeners of the dangers that could face them this Christmas. Ooh, a fantastic idea. Roy, you know we love to do a PSA in this paranormal life so if we can keep our listeners safe by warning them i think that's a great idea but first a quick word from our sponsors quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash ParanormalLife today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ParanormalLife. All right, let's dive into our list of the most famous and dangerous Christmas cryptids. First on our list is a little lady called Frau Persta. And when I say lady, I mean Christmas witch. Oh, wow. In Bavarian and Austrian folklore, 
Perstau was said to roam the countryside during midwinter and to enter people's houses during the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany. Similar to Santa and the legends of Odin, Perstau would reward the good children and, quote, discipline the bad. Okay, that seems like more coded language. I don't know what that means. Does that mean perish? Does that mean perish again? No, no, no. Just like, hey, you know, if the kid's been good, hey, you little scamp, here's a cookie. Here's a little toy. Maybe a ball and string. Uh, oh, you bad kids, time for some discipline. Yes, that's that word again. I just feel like maybe, like, I don't know if it's a net positive, this witch coming around. Like, I don't know if the cookies <laughs> and the balls on strings are making up for the, the, the quote-unquote disciplining. Yeah, because I'd rather just not have the chance of having a cookie and she doesn't yeah. come. Yeah, sometimes like... my mom bakes cookies anyway. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to chill with her in the kitchen. And it's worth bringing up because you're right, the balance was off. <laughs> if you were good, you might find a small silver coin with you the next day. <laughs> if you were bad, she would creep into your bedroom during the night, cut your stomach open with a knife, <laughs> There's no. steal your organs, oh, no. and replace them with rocks and straw, turning you into a scarecrow while you're alive. <laughs> Arrest her! Arrest <laughs> this woman! Arrest this woman. It's not worth the cookie. I don't want I don't want to enter this weird f***ed up game where I either become a scarecrow or get a cookie or a coin. <laughs> imagine imagine being a little Austrian child <laughs> and you wake up with a little coin under your pillow and you run downstairs <laughs> and you're so excited you're like mama mama look I got a coin. And then they're just your father <laughs> and your mother are huddled over the deceased body of your sister, just torn limb from limb, skinned alive. You're like, oh, this eh. it's actually is does the coin doesn't make up for much. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The the rewards and the punishments I don't think were even in that scenario. Uh, as you can tell, this is one of the most terrifying Christmas creatures that exist in folklore that you do not want to have mess with you. I mean, if you're on Santa's naughty list, you just get a less shit gift. Coal, right? Yeah. You still you still get given something. Which I know that I know the joke has been said many times in 2022. Coal costs real money, by the way. Yeah, I'd rather these the days. coal. Coal's not a bad gift anymore. It's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> It is sort of believable in all these old stories that the balance of benefits, perks, and drawbacks is not exactly equal. Because if you think about it, back then, the worst thing that could happen to a person, pretty bad. But right, right. The, the best thing that could happen to someone was not that good. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I feel like these days people joke a lot about, like, I don't know, winning the lottery. There was no lottery back then. <laughs> okay, I see what you mean. You, yeah. Like, the best thing that could happen to a person is, like, you have a good harvest. You survive the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, I know what you mean. So I do understand. Maybe their brains can't even comprehend the idea of an actual good reward. <laughs> right, so it's a small coin. It's a small, tiny silver coin. That, that to them, was a lifetime supply of, of burritos or <laughs> some 21st century right. reward. Whatever a millennial fantasy would be, unlimited kombucha for life. But this festive witch is only the first creature on our list. It's time to move on to number two. The legendary monster that may be familiar to fans of the U.S. office. We are, of course, <laughs> talking about Belschnickel. Oh, okay. Now, Belschnickel is described as, quote, a crotchety, fur-clad Christmas gift bringer 
whose origins come from the folklore of southwestern Germany and can be found in Pennsylvania Dutch customs. Similar to Santa, he comes to the children before Christmas, bringing gifts! Dissimilar, Belschnickel has a stick. He okay. has a stick and he maybe, calls it... Maybe it's a walking <laughs> stick. Maybe it's a walking... Maybe he needs it to get around. He doesn't. It's a whipping stick. He's actually pretty athletic. <laughs> he uses it to scare the local children into being nice. Not to hit them. No one said he hits them. He just freaks them out a little, waves the stick around, and shows them, encourages them, I should say, to be nice, to be nice kids. Although... Between you and me, brother, sometimes that stick sees a little action. Sometimes, sometimes if Belschnickel finds a pocket of time where the CCTV cameras don't, <laughs> don't cover it, you know, sometimes he'll just trip him up and give him a little <laughs> clock around the shoulders. Between you and me, brother, sometimes Belschnickel has a few whiskeys. <laughs> and then uh, some of those practice whips actually find a target. They do. In modern stories, I will say that the stick is only used for noise to warn children that they still have time to be good before Christmas. But the implication is there. <laughs> well, no one's saying he's like, going to whip the like, kids. Like this is the equivalent of like Belschnickel might as well have two carving knives <laughs> that he sharpens <laughs> against each other. Like, shing, shing. like oh, I'm not going to use them on the children. I'm not going <laughs> to use the knives. But, you know, between you and me. It just keeps the kids on their toes to hear the sound of two <laughs> blades being sharpened. Well, apparently it works. If the children then, I don't know, f***ing repent or pray to Belschnickel, uh, on Christmas Day, all the good children receive candy if they're polite about it. <laughs> receive check notes, a single small coin to share. This is basically their being visited by a ghost or a spirit before Christmas to be good for Christmas Day. No one was parenting their children back then. <laughs> I'm starting, I, I don't want to blow this case wide open at beast number two, but I feel like we're seeing yeah. a pattern already, which is that the beasts of Christmas all want the same thing, and that is children to be good. Yeah, a lot of them. And like, were the parents just so busy that they were like, I don't have time to teach this kid shit. I'm going away to the mines for four months. <laughs> right. Don't fuck up anything in the house, otherwise Belschnickel will skin you and eat you. <laughs> Like, yeah, is that the the line of logic? Maybe here? it was it was like just an easy way to control your children. I think probably nowadays parents are more concerned about just the concept of lying to youths uh, until I don't know they're grown ups. But maybe in the olden days it was like I don't have time to try and like form an intimate relationship with this <laughs> with child and get them to obey me. Uh, so do the dishes, or uh, the f-ing dingleberry comes at night and eats your eyes. Now, look, I will say that, yes, there are a lot of bad eggs on our Christmas list, but not all of these Christmas creatures are evil. They simply do evil things to make children good. That makes them evil. That makes them evil. I'm not accepting that logic. That doesn't necessarily make them evil if they're doing something evil to make a child good. Do you understand? (laughs) You're the joker. (laughs) You're trying to justify crime, I think. I really need to uh, be considerate of which side I'm trying to take because next on the list is Père Futar, known as Father Whipper. (laughs) How many? All right. Can we just, I feel like we could just breeze through a number of creatures on this list based on do they have a stick or a whip? Is there going to be more? Can you tell me now how many more have a stick or a whip? There may be a few others with... (laughs) 
arcane-like <laughs> items, but it doesn't define them as people. They're individuals, and they're worth talking they're about. They're complex paranormal entities in their own right. Father Whipper isn't just some Christmas man who whips people, all right? He's actually got a lot more interesting personal characteristics that define him as a human being. He eats children. So the name he- <laughs> is a complete uh, red herring. Just because his name is Father Whipper doesn't mean he's inherently evil. He does eat children, though. He eat- He's eaten children. The legends say that he was a Frenchman who originally worked as a butcher before luring children into his shop. Hold and on, I thought them. he was a paranormal creature. You're saying he's just a bloke? Well, he was a man at one point. He apparently he allegedly was a man. He used to he was a Frenchman who used to work as a butcher. Okay. That is not the wildest part of the story. This is where the story becomes fantastical. The legend goes that he was then visited by Santa himself, who condemned him to a life of slavery. Now, Père Futar has to accompany Saint Nick to the houses of naughty children to punish them. There is no way. You're telling me Santa <laughs> went to... Look, he, he makes a lot of mistakes, all right? He got a lot of shit right. The presents, the reindeer, the Christmas, all that jazz. He got that right, but sometimes Santa makes mistakes. Santa went to a serial killer and hired him <laughs> and hired him to abuse children. He didn't hire him. He condemned him to a life of slavery. But he works for Santa. He works I. for Santa. Santa exclusively, yeah. Look, the man knows how to scare kids. He's eaten like six of them. So if you need someone to make sure these kids stay in line, send a cannibal down the chimney. That's how you do it. This, yeah, Santa's talking to Per Futar. He's like, I need some backup, dude. We need to do a good cop, bad cop routine or something because these kids just see me as lovable old f***ing St. Nick. Yeah, they don't I need don't a care. guy flicking a butterfly knife in the corner, just putting the fear of God into them. Because maybe some of these kids don't even care. They're on the naughty list. And Santa's like, mm, you, you should be on the nice list next time. And they're like, we don't care, Santa. What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't care, Santa. I'm rich. My parents <laughs> just buy me whatever I want. Like, yeah. All right, well, there's another side to this. There's a there's another Santa. Maybe that's it. Santa has to send Pear down. He's like, just eat one of the kids in front of the other naughty kids as like a threat. And then maybe that will get them in line. You know, when you're like, you fire someone uh, to show that you're dominant as a boss, is that a thing? We cannot justify this any further. All right, let's get a little bit more lighthearted. I feel like we've been talking a lot about eating and killing children. So uh, let's take a more festive spin on it and talk about a classic Christmas monster that we've covered in a previous episode. I am, of course, talking about the Yule Lads. Ayo, a TPL favorite. Uh, for those who don't know, the Yule Lads are 13 different Icelandic trolls, each with their own distinct name and personality. We did do an entire episode on the Yule Lads and their history, so definitely check it out if you haven't heard it yet. And sure, yeah, the Yule Lads were known for stealing things and occasionally scaring children. But in more recent stories, they're known for giving gifts and rewarding well-behaved children. However... Their mother. No, don't. <laughs> Stop. They're... I don't know if I want to hear it. Uh, hey, I'm just. You said we were going to do something up, uplifting, that was lighthearted, uplifting festive. The, it's over. The 13 Icelandic trolls. Can you imagine <laughs> how cool and quirky they are? And they give gifts to children. Their mother, though. God. Their mother, Grilla, is a little different, but I'm sorry to say. Does she. Does she eat children? She eats children. 100%. There's no way. I, I didn't remember this detail at all. <laughs> She kidnaps, cooks, and eats children straight up. Right. Um, 
so that was the more lighthearted uh, section. What could possibly be next? <laughs> if that was the most lighthearted, uplifting section of this podcast, what could possibly be next? I knew we were getting into the dark side of Christmas, but this is just heinous. Next on the list is the legend of Hans Trapp. <laughs> he doesn't sound like a nice guy. I, uh, where is this going? <laughs> also known as the Christmas Scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven on the list. Stalin. Stalin was a dictator around Christmas. <laughs> the story of Hans Trapp is so insane. I think... Maybe next year we should do it as a full investigation because it's okay. it's crazy. So I will keep this section brief. He tried to eat a child. He did try and eat a child. He worshipped the devil. He was exiled into the forest by the church and eventually died while trying to eat a child when he was struck by lightning. But that's not... A, they're not a... You said we we're covering the eight monsters of Christmas. I guess they're monsters. Monsters? He tried to eat a boy. But I thought literal monsters. What is paranormal about a child-eating man? A child cannibal? When Zeus has to step in and kill you, you know you're a monster. When he has to intervene and strike you with lightning so your heart stomps so you can't eat a boy, I'd say that makes you a I'm monster, brother. I'm just conscious brother. that I think we started off with kind of like cryptids that roam the plains between our world and the next, the next world, world and the kindergarten unfortunately yes but now we were into I, I think that's now two just straight up men <laughs> they're not just men just men one of them kill. one of them is santa's right hand man that makes him borderline paranormal if he's traveling the world hans trap yeah he maybe is just a dude who tried to eat a child jesus christ but here you go. If you want to get a little more paranormal, if you want to get a little more festive, our second last Christmas monster is, of course, the one and only Krampus. Okay, thank God. We're getting into something resembling a paranormal creature. Now, again, we did in the past do an entire episode just on Krampus. So if you haven't heard it, please do go back and listen. It's a great episode. But for the few of you who don't know, Krampus is described as the demonic anti-Santa. He's often depicted as either an anthropomorphic beast man or sometimes just as the devil. Similar to a lot of the other monsters on this list, Krampus punishes bad kids by hitting them or in some stories stealing them from their homes and dragging them to hell. <laughs> well, all you can say is the man has class because he doesn't eat them, allegedly. <laughs> that shouldn't be the bar of class. Okay, fair play. Never even had a nibble. <laughs> Not even when it was all the rage back in the day and everyone was doing it, apparently, according to this list. According to Hans Trapp, they taste pretty good. It was worth getting hit by lightning for, so they're obviously pretty delicious. Uh, I don't know what he does to the children once they reach hell. I think he is still quite a bad man. He has, in a, many pictures, just a basket on his back stuffed with children. Yeah, I definitely, like on our previous episode about Krampus, I do recommend that people pull out their phones uh, if they're in a safe location and Google Krampus and check out the Google images. There's some fantastic kind of old postcards and Christmas cards yeah. that were made, you know, probably a couple of hundred years ago all across Europe. And they depicted uh, Christmas cards were built different back then. I will say they're really, they weird were a scary. lot more disturbing and strange, um, but there's really amazing drawings of Krampus yeah, always in some various form of um, 
putting children in nets. Yeah, looking like some kind of horrible half-goat, half-man, devil monster thing. And I do seem to remember disturbingly, uh, which is extremely bad optics for Santa. Santa is in some of the postcards too, helping him put the children in nets. (laughs) Yeah, they have a complicated relationship. I don't quite understand it. (laughs) Uh, Another good thing to look out for if you're Googling that is, of course, something we talked about, Krampusnacht, celebrated on December 5th where local people dress up like Krampus and go out into the town beating members of the public with sticks. And you can watch videos of this online. Yeah, this is an actual it's thing. still going on. People come out to watch the Krampi, whatever the plural of Krampuses is. Uh, these men dressed up like this Christmas monster. And they're not even doing it in like a comical sense, like a stick made of foam kind of like hitting the youngsters they are chasing people down in the streets and beating them with sticks yeah it's a weird tradition it's definitely worth watching i know i said to pull out your phone and check it out maybe wait till you're not in a public space for that one people will think you're insane if they see you watching that (laughs) a dude dressed like a goat whipping a man with a stick (laughs) and finally on our list of course we had to throw him in here santa claus himself so in what way is saint nicholas God bless his soul, a monster of Christmas. Well, Kit, a cryptid is described as a living (laughs) being... Don't you pull out the (laughs) Oxford English Dictionary. (laughs) Webster's Dictionary defines cryptid as whatever the hell I say it is. All I'm saying is cryptids often possess superhuman powers or great physical strength. We are talking about a man who allegedly visits every child in one night carrying a bag filled with enough toys for all the children of the world that would give him superhuman strength and superhuman abilities if he's really going to pull off this thing. So by definition, Santa is kind of a Christmas monster. Listen, if we're going to get super technical about it, I am being facetious. We have often claimed that Santa is absolutely paranormal. Whether he exists or not, uh, not for us to say we we haven't done a full paranormal investigation into Santa, but clearly he's getting up to something paranormal. Yeah. I always, this was like a weird thing that I didn't realize was a divide. When you got presents from Santa as a kid, were they underneath the tree when you woke up or were they in your room? Bro, don't get me started on this. I didn't even know there's such a wide range yeah. of beliefs. I couldn't believe it. Subject. So, Wait, well, but I don't know which way you're going to go down. This could tear us apart. But this is what gets me. I didn't have a choice, <laughs> by the way. I, I, I don't care uh, which is which. I'm just saying what happened to me. Yours were under the tree, weren't they, you little freak? <laughs> That, they weren't, and that would be normal. That is literally the most commonly depicted version of presents (laughs) at Christmas in all of media. Santa presents are in the bed. In the bed? Family presents are under the tree. That's how you make the distinction. Then you wake up and you're like, oh, f***, Santa's been here. I can see the presents. So our presents were, yes, in our room. Okay. And we had, I think next and maybe as we got older maybe then once i started buying gifts from my parents and stuff maybe that went under the tree maybe that was the idea yeah eventually so you were bedroom as well bedroom bottom of the bed yeah bottom of the bed yeah that's interesting i'd love to know what the like what is the history or like geography of like what they do where i mean it was right it doesn't make any sense for him to come into my bedroom and place them by my feet 
It makes a lot more sense for it all to just be under the tree. Well, talking to my wife, Danielle, I also didn't realize she was shocked that growing up, I only got gifts from Santa. She was like, what? She, 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 she was what? like, what? <laughs> so you got gifts from Santa and your parents? Yes. I, I was like, all right, Richie Rich, like nice for some, <laughs> nice for some. But I, I was like, I was like the whole point of the, of the whole gift giving at Christmas Santa gets gifts for children. Right, right yeah. That's the, that's the gig. Why would my parents also get me gifts? So you just thought, like, for the longest time that your parents didn't get you anything for Christmas? You were like, at least Santa loves me, you monsters! But, like, that's not the point of Christmas, is getting gifts from your parents. It is, though, because you get them a gift as well. Did but you get your parents a gift? Not when I was f***ing six years old. <laughs> I didn't have money. <laughs> What are you talking about? You the point of Christmas is Santa makes the gifts and he gives it to the children. <laughs> no, he gives them to everyone. I, I don't think that's true. I, I do not think that's true. And I think you're wrong on that. There's no, he f***ing gives them to everyone and then he eats a couple kids, right? Isn't that what happens? <laughs> My parents would get presents from Santa. Sound off in the comments if your parents got presents from Santa. Because that's your... unhinged. <laughs> Telling someone that your parents didn't give you Christmas presents sounds wild. It sounds absolutely wild. I I, I don't I don't believe that that is strange, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to hear so from your parents the listeners. Didn't get you a present. Also, didn't get a present themselves. No, I, I I will say there there might have been a stocking filler or something. Like there might have been something. Right, right. They got, but like not like real gifts. I don't think that's crazy. It's really not crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to you. It's crazy to you apparently. Please let us know your version of all this. Unless it's weird or you agree with Rory. In that case, keep it to yourself. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Um, that is it. That is our list of Christmas creatures. I mean, you know, kid, as a fellow paranormal investigator, we've rattled through a lot of different kind of monsters in this list, ranging from paranormal to child eater. If there was one of these beasts that you had to go head to head with, and investigate yourself. Which one would you be most interested in? Uh, that's an interesting way of putting it, Rory, because I might be interested in them. I am scared of most or all of them. Yeah. A couple of them were just grown men, serial killers at large. Sure. I they got hired not, by Santa. I would not be choosing to... No, one of them was just a murderer. <laughs> You're, you keep saying he got hired. <laughs> that was only one of them. The other one was just... What was his name? Hans, Hans Trapp. Trapp. There was Hans Trapp and Father Whipper. So I think if I did have to look into one myself, it might be Belschnickel, just for a, a little bit more of a paranormal air and, let's face it, a fun name that we can all get on board with. Yeah, he was definitely one of the more lighthearted creatures on the list, even though he does punish people with, as I said, his stick that he carries around. Not much of a mention of either eating children or dragging them to hell, so... He would be a fun, playful one and an interesting one, actually, to investigate. I mean, I would be all I would love to go to Iceland and go, you know, looking for the Yule lads. But you did throw me off with uh, their mother, Grilla, of course. Yeah, I think that's what I would pick. Probably the Yule lads to investigate myself. Uh, Anytime I fly back to Northern Ireland for Christmas, it is basically uh, me spending time with 12 lads uh, (laughs) anyway. So it would be very similar to the kind of uh, Christmas environment that I'm used to. Keep an eye on the mother, though. Keep an eye on the mother because she does cook and eat children. I don't know if she'd be interested in me. I think I've maybe missed the window of child. So maybe I'm in the clear and I could just hang out with the lads. You wake up on Christmas morning with a woman hovering over your bed. (laughs) 
<laughs> you start screaming. She's like, oh, shit, you're a grown man. It was just the the race car bed and the <laughs> and the jammies <laughs> threw me off so much. I thought you were a little boy. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry to bother you. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. That is our full list of paranormal Christmas creatures and a little insight to the dark history behind Christmas itself. Wow, I hope you guys enjoyed this very special festive episode. And in fact, this is the last episode of This Paranormal Life in 2022. Next week before New Year's, we're going to be doing our famous annual best of episode where we relive some of the highlights of the last year with some of our favorite moments from the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Rory, that is going to be fantastic. But in between now and then, we have a lot of festive celebrations to get on with, as I'm sure our listeners do. Absolutely. So, as I said, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you guys are having a great Christmas holiday season. We want to thank you for coming on this wild journey with us through 2022. This podcast, you know what? This podcast is a gift. It's a gift I'm grateful for every day. We come down your chimney every Tuesday, and we okay. get to investigate a brand new paranormal tale. I've never eaten a child as well. I've got that going for me, which is pretty good. Yeah, I think the metaphor might be running a little thin. <laughs> uh, no, thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for joining us for all of 2022. There are a lot of podcasts out there, so it's, it's, a, it's a joy that you've decided to spend time with us and enjoy your festive season with us. We've been so phenomenally lucky to be doing this paranormal life, having you listen to us year in, year out that we've been able to celebrate quite a few Christmases at this point. Yeah. So it's strange to to be in this position again, um, but it's so fun to do and to look back. And as Rory says, maybe if you haven't heard those Christmas specials, check them out over the holiday season. And of course, if you're looking for more content to be able to unwrap over the holidays, we have it all over on patreon.com, where you can get access to an incredible backlog of bonus episodes. Imagine throwing some coins in a black hole and all of a sudden you've got 50 bonus presents to open up on Christmas morning. That sounds like a pretty sweet deal to me. So check it out on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. And also over on Patreon, we're going to be doing next week our end of year Q&A where Kit and I sit down and answer all of the questions the community have have a few drinks, chill out, and celebrate the ending of the year. So, if you think that party would interest you, check it out on Patreon.com. We also give shout-outs to the people on the $20 and higher tier over on Patreon, and we're going to do that right now. Special thank you to Caitlin Farley. Caitlin's been waiting all year for Christmas because this is her favorite time. Wow, love it. She's got a stick. I don't know that she's in it for the right reasons, I'll be honest. (laughs) Thanks to Andrew Gentry. Andrew Gently Gentry. Uh, Oni walks around barefoot. He wants to have like minimal impact on the planet and you know the world around him. Physically? <laughs> minimal impact physically? Like he doesn't want to wear shoes? Exactly. Oh, okay. He wants to go gently everywhere. Right. He still barely recycles, uh, flies everywhere he can. All right, well, let's but... not character assassinate the poor man. <laughs> he doesn't have shoes, damn it. <laughs> Thanks to Wayne A. Smith. Wayne A. Smith, God loves the guy. Um, it was actually his, his actual legal name is Lil Wayne, right? Well, I mean, you can imagine whenever Lil Wayne came along, it blew up his whole shit because he was Lil Wayne because he's actually big. It was an ironic nickname. Sure, Lil Wayne came along, blew up that, so I had to legally get his name changed to Wayne A. Smith. 
you know, it sucks, but that's what happens sometimes. Just happens. He actually changed his name to uh, Nelly first. He was like, well, no one will pick this. And then, of course, Nelly came around and... That's unbelievable. Yeah. No, he went to Drake so next. He went no to Drake. Way. He did. He did. And now it, he's like, f***ing Niall. So now he's had to change it again. So just good luck, bud. Thanks to Delusions. Rory, this guy's got Delusions of Grandeur. <laughs> I was at the bar with him the other day. He was so drunk, he said, this Santa guy thinks he's all that. I'm going to one-up him. I'm going to do every child in the world faster. Oh, that's dangerous because Santa kind of gets away with it because of his jolly demeanor uh-huh. and stuff. But uh, if you're just a guy trying to okay, quote-unquote yeah, get yeah. to every kid in the world. Yeah, like what? Like he's going to have to cut some corners. Like what are the gifts going to like even look like? like yeah. He said he might even give out cigarettes to some of them. So, like, I don't... All right, someone stop him. <laughs> stop him before he goes. Thanks to Jessica Marshall. Jesse Marsh lives in a marsh. Surprisingly nice. Surprisingly nice. Has a friend who's a talking donkey. Married to royalty. Okay. You're thinking of Shrek, the movie. Not no, because Shrek a person. lives in a swamp, not a, not a marsh. It's <laughs> quite similar. But... I think they're pretty similar. I mm. think, arguably, they're pretty interchangeable. Who'd you say the per- this person was? Shrek. No, you didn't. <laughs> you did not say I that did. the first time. Thanks to Carrie Bahannon. Carrie Bahannon is friends with a gingerbread man and a talking donkey. And they live in the marshland. Ooh, see, I was going to say, could we be talking about Fiona or Shrek? But you threw me with the marsh. Totally different place. Totally different That's place. That's crazy, though. Yeah. It must have, they must have based that story on a real person. Maybe Carrie Thanks to Michelle Gutierrez Fernandez. Are you missing shells? Did you used to live on the beach, but now you live in the big city and you miss shells? Come on down to Michelle's Miss Shells, where you can get the feeling of the beach in the heart of the city. That's cool. Uh, right. right, I'll take, I don't know what way you do it, but if I could just get like, I don't know, like a bag of shells or something. Absolutely. Hey, which shell? Thank you so much. Hmm? Which kind of shell? I don't know. Can you can you inform me of the types? Yep. Seashell? Yeah, obviously sea because... Okay. Yeah, so let's start there. So a seashell, yeah. Seashell. Yeah. I thought you were sorry. I just, I just thought it was going to be like conch shell or like... Yeah, uh, okay. We have to start somewhere. So seashell? seashell? Turtle shell? No, not a turtle shell. That's crit. Are you hunting turtles? You said seashell. You wanted a seashell. So we have right, we have every kind of turtle shell you no, want. No, not a turtle. No, not a turtle shell. They They're endangered. Alive, though, so you'll have to give me 15 minutes to get the shell. No, no please don't. <laughs> Thanks to Ryan. If it isn't spying Ryan, this son of a bitch is always wearing a wire. Even if you just go out for drinks, you know? And he's like, tell me about your weekend. And he leans in. It's like, I can see the wire poking out, Ryan. Yeah, I can see the pizza van parked outside (laughs) the bar with a giant satellite on top. I'm not going to say anything controversial. And then he just always usually freaks out and jumps out a window. But he's good for a round. (laughs) Thanks to Louise Pierce. Louise is good fun. We actually I bumped into her at this marsh party. Uh, this illegal marsh rave. Yeah. Not long ago. Was there a donkey um, there? The man, I was so faded. It was like, I think you're right, though. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. I think you're right. Uh, there was like, there was this cat. who was like, just like Fortnite dancing. Puss in, in boots, of- probably. Yeah. I think you're thinking about Shrek again. The movie Shrek. It definitely wasn't a marshland. Oh, yeah, you're right. This was in London. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Thanks to Ben Hoffman. Hey, come on down to Hoffman's Coffins. 
They sell coffins? Did one, they sell coffins. Did one of your loved ones recently kick the bucket? No. Come on down to Hoffman's Coffins. That's where cool. uh, we will bury your dad in style. We use untraditional materials to build a device to capture mm-hmm. your loved ones and bury them in the ground. So it's a little unorthodox. They're not dead yet. The materials. Is that what you're saying? Who said that? Who to said capture that? Them. Capture to them. capture them. Because uh, I was about to say, I like, I thankfully, thank God, I there's no one I need one for, but like, I guess if it's a decent price, like I could, I could store it and hold on to it for my own inevitable demise. You could. It's a pretty well. Again, you know, it's a pretty. We use unconventional materials. That's all I'm gonna say. So it's not I'm that not really expensive. Interested in that is, it, can you just get a wood one? We we don't have. We don't. It's not wood. What is it? It's more of a net. <laughs> okay. That we use to capture and bury your loved What's ones. What's the price? For the net, mm-hmm. how much have you got? And don't try and run, sir. Because <laughs> we can catch you. <laughs> Thanks to Zachary Eckert. Zachary Eckert holds many records. Uh, loads of world records. For what? A sport? You know, just like, you know, uh, most amount of wasps in your mouth at one time. Most amount of wasps, like, on your body at one time. So mostly wasp most stuff, one- right? Mm, yeah. And yeah, with bees most or? amount of no, no, no. He, uh, he did one this weekend. Most amount of wasps eaten. Bad idea to eat the wasps because they seem like the only thing that was getting you records. So don't eat them because now they're gone. Thanks to Kelly Murr. Kelly Murr is really poor. Oh, she's really poor. She's down on her luck. Uh, so it's uh, it's incredible that she you know used her last coin. To flick it into the bucket of the paranormal pot. Damn, pals. I didn't even think about that. And That's guess crazy. what? That just opened up the doors to the commune to you. So come on in, get yourself a warm meal. I won't say of what, but it is warm. You're in a safe place now with fellow peasants. Kelly, it's kind of a beautiful place because here, even the richest man who walked through these gates is now poor. <laughs> We're all equal. All uh, of us. Thanks, lastly, but not leastly today, to Alistair Robinson. Alistair Robertson's job is done oh on december 26th when he can put down his whipping stick oh because the day is over the night is over he was the ninth monster didn't make the cut he was um sorry you didn't make the list uh this time but hey there's always next year for the next christmas list so thank you alistair and thank you to everyone who supports us on patreon uh this podcast couldn't exist without you all right kit we gotta go open some christmas presents and what's that I hear footsteps up on the roof. Looks like we better hit the hay, bud. Okay. Oh, wait. Hold on. That's not the roof above us. That's the attic. Huh? That's... What the f***? Who the f*** is up there? All right. That's actually kind of weird. That's not supposed to... I can hear, like, men's voice. I can hear, like, three men's voices. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to end, is... end the podcast. But we hope you have an amazing holiday season. And we'll see you again very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, folks. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.